Yeah, there are two readings tonight, and the first one is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10, that can be found on page 1173 of the Church Bible. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And the second reading is Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, which we found on page 1168 of the Bible. Paul, an apostle, sent from men, not, not, sorry, start again. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from, our, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be If you would like to keep your Bibles open to Galatians 1, Page 1168, if you haven't got it already. That's where I'm going to be looking predominantly at this evening. And where's Chloe gone? No, actually, it was Alan. Alan, that word, take the shot. Actually, what I've got to say tonight is about grace. And I think for many of us in this room, this this word grace, this thing of uh, knowing that Jesus died for our sins, is, is kind of old news. You know, we've been there, we've we've done that, we've got the T-shirt, we, we know what Jesus did for us on the cross. But maybe for some of us, that's something that we need refreshing tonight. Maybe that's something that in your life you feel like that that you have gone away from that and that you would need reminding today that actually God's grace is for you. And that word, take the shot, maybe that actually is for someone this evening or more than one person that, that has been coming to church, that has heard all of this stuff, that knows about grace, but hasn't made that decision. Maybe God is saying tonight, you've got to make that decision. Take the shot. Have a go. And I tell you what, if God is in it, you will not miss. You will not miss. But maybe that's for you this evening. We're going to be looking at this book of Galatians and absolutely love I've, I've picked I've got a gem this evening an absolute gem so I hope I do it justice Galatians and Ephesians 2 this thing about grace and and I can remember 12 years ago around 12 years ago I always try and say when I became a Christian I forget when exactly it was I think it was around 12 years ago I should know the date I experienced this thing of grace for the first time and it blew my mind it was amazing amazing transformed by God literally overnight 
And I went to this course, the Alpha course, and gave my life to Jesus, and God changed me there and then. I used to be someone that, that struggled with alcohol. I used to drink so much. I used to be someone who was filled with anger, and I still have my moments. But it was this grace that changed me. It was this grace, this encounter with Jesus Christ that changed me. And honestly, I have never looked back. And if you're here this evening and you're thinking, should I take this risk? It's so worth it. It's so worth it. It's so worth taking this risk. Take the shot for Jesus and you won't miss. So as we look at this book of Galatians, we see in this book that it's all about God. Everything is about God, and and Jesus Christ is at the center. He is at the core of these Christians in Galatia. He's at the bedrock. Their foundation of their faith is Jesus Christ. Okay, but then what's happened is that these false teachers have come into the church, false apostles, Paul calls them, and they're preaching a gospel, and they're saying that actually what Paul's saying is like a rubbish. And Jesus, you know, kind of forgives your sins, but but really, he doesn't. And you've got to do a bunch of things if you want to be saved. This is what these false teachers are saying. You've got to do a bunch of things if you want to be saved. And the Galatians are going along with this. And they're saying, you know, because these guys were eloquent, they could speak, and they could put across a persuasive argument. And they're starting to believe what these false teachers are saying. And the Apostle Paul comes back into the church, and he says, guys, what these guys are saying is a load of rubbish that you don't have to do anything to be saved. Because Jesus does it all. We just have to accept it. It is a free gift in Jesus Christ. You don't have to do anything. And I think in the church today, what's, what's happened is that we've kind of stepped away, not just this church in this country, but across the world, is we've stepped away from this thing of grace. And that we think that if we want to go to heaven, that we've got to do a bunch of things to make God pleased with us. And our culture teaches us, doesn't it, that, that if we want to achieve something, that we've got to do some good works. And, and you might say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with being a good person? What's wrong with trying to earn your salvation? You see, when I look at that, I see it as an incredibly arrogant thing. It's arrogant because it takes the emphasis off what God has done and puts it onto ourselves, and it becomes all about us. You know, I've done this, I've done that, look how great I am, look at these good works that I can do, and it takes it off of God. You see, it is all about God, and this is what this church in Galatia, they understood that it was all about God, that it was all about Jesus Christ and what he'd done. So if we're turning to Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. Paul starts off by saying in this letter, this is Paul. This is me. He says who he is. See, I love that. 2,000 years ago, when we've got these letters written in the Bible, they start off by saying who they are, and then you know who's written it. And it's great, because you know who's written it. Today, we write our names at the bottom, don't we? Which kind of doesn't make sense, really, because you're reading this letter, and then you find out at the bottom who the person is. Paul says this is Paul. He puts his name at the start of the letter so the Galatian church know who's writing. He calls himself an apostle. And this word apostle literally means sent one, someone who has been sent. And the word apostle comes from these apostolic ships 
that we use to take cargo, to take goods from one place and to go somewhere else. This is where we get the apostle, the name apostle in the Bible. These guys were taking the gospel, taking the good news of Jesus Christ from one place and taking it to another. And these apostles had gifts of healing. They were planting churches. They were pioneering things. And, and maybe there's some of us in the room who that is your gift. God has given you a gift as an apostle. And maybe actually just picking up on what Chloe said, maybe God is calling you to go somewhere and to take the gospel somewhere else other than Winchester. Last week, we were talking about Bezalel. And sorry, Sam, I got that right. Just, yeah. <laughs> Bezalel in Exodus 31. And Bezalel was someone that was anointed, that was gifted with these great things to use for the glory of God. And, and we challenged you as well. What are the gifts and the talents that God has given you? to use for his kingdom. I absolutely love my job. I think I've got the best job in the world. They did a survey for clergy, and it found out that clergy say they've got the best job, which is quite interesting, isn't it? It's a difficult job, but I love it. But one of the reasons I like my job is because I believe that God has called me to do this. I can remember before I was ordained a few years ago, that God spoke to me through his word, and he said, for I have ordained you. And that, for me, was validation, that God has called me to this. And, and honestly, when, when the job gets tough, and it does, you guys are not easy all the time. <laughs> but when it gets hard, I remember what it was that God said. What has God called you to do? What gifts and talents has God put in your life that you can use for the kingdom of God. And if you don't know what those things are, then I'd encourage you to, to, to find out, to pray and to ask God, what are those things that you've gifted me in that I can use for the glory of your kingdom? This is what Paul says. He gives himself validation. He is someone who has been sent by God for the glory of God to preach the gospel. He goes on in verse 3. He says this incredibly important word. He says the word grace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace. This amazing, amazing thing of grace. The word grace, and Dave has already said this, literally means unmerited favor. Grace is a free gift that God gives us in Jesus Christ. We don't have to do anything to receive this. Actually, we do. We, we have to accept it. And that's often the hardest part. But it is a free gift in Jesus Christ. What is grace? Right. Sorry, what's your name? Emily. Emily. There's five quid. Thank you. <laughs> that's grace. What did Emily do? Nothing. She received it. That is grace. And it doesn't make sense, does it? Why, why should Emily receive that and, and not someone else? You see, God gives all of us this free gift of grace, and all we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life and change me. And he does. It's the most incredible thing you know, it's not about us. We're not going to go to heaven because we are great people. 
We're not great people. We're going to go to heaven. We're going to be with Jesus forever because of grace, because of what he's done. And you might say, what, he's going to take all of those sins away, everything that I've ever done, all of those bad things that I've thought, all of those evil things that I've done to other people, God's just going to take that away if I accept him? Yes. It says that he takes away sins past, present, and future. If we accept him into our lives, that is this free gift of grace. That is how incredible it is. And it says in verse 3 that he is going to rescue us from this present evil age. And some people think, actually, are we in an evil age? I think we're in quite a good age because aren't people inherently good people? You see, I listen to, to that and I say, have you, have you read the news lately? Have you read what goes on around the world? Human trafficking. How people are forced into slavery. Hatred that goes on in people's lives and in their hearts. Anger, envy. You just have to turn the news on at night and it's depressing, isn't it, to see what goes on around the world. How, how evil people can be. See, I don't think we live in a good age. But it says that Jesus comes in to this world to save us from those things. To save us, to give us new life in him. As I was praying this last week, I was praying for some of these things around the world and just reading the news and praying for things that are going on. And, and it broke my heart because as I was praying for the people that are affected by the cruelty of mankind, I think God put it on my heart to pray also for the, the perpetrators, for the people that are actually doing this to others. Because actually, if we think about it, did they, did they grow up thinking, when I'm older, I want to be someone that's filled with hatred? When I'm older, do I want to be someone that's angry? Do I want to be someone who's a molester? Do I want to do these things? You see, I don't think they grow up thinking that's what they want to be. We need to pray for these people as well. Because God can do anything. God can turn around any situation if we give it over to him. For some of us in this room, we're stuck in things that, that pull us away from God. As I was praying before the service, I felt that there's, there's people in this room that are stuck in pornography. There's people in this room that are stuck and, and, and watching this screen, and, and, and this is not doing you any good. See, this is something that we don't often talk about in church. But it's a way that gets into the church and pulls us down as Christians doesn't mean that we've lost our salvation. It means that we're distant from God. And we put ourselves in that position when we put ourselves in those places. Some of us are struggling with guilt. I know for me, when, when I've done something bad, and you know, I'm in this place of guilt, and it takes me a good few days to come back to God and to say, God, you know what? I'm sorry for that. Just come to him as you are in the midst of that guilt. Confess your sin and give it to Jesus, and he will change you. Some of us are angry people. Some of us really struggle with anger. What is God saying to you about that anger? Some of us are addicted to other things. Maybe that's drink, maybe that's drugs, whatever it may be. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship at the moment, and you can't see a way out. 
come to Jesus Christ, receive his grace, receive his love, and he will change you if we come to him. You see, it's, it's counterintuitive, but we think that, that by, by coming to Jesus, it's not going to help our problems. The thing is, it does. And Jesus promises to walk with us in the midst of those things that we're going through. Whatever that might be for you. And we all have different things. Some of us have more than one. You know, we're a church made up of, of, of ordinary people that get it wrong. I was reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And this is a story many of us know of, of a young man who takes his father's inheritance before his dad has even died. So he's basically saying to his dad, Dad, I wish you were dead. And the father gives him his inheritance. And the son goes off and he squanders this money on wild living and squanders it on parties and getting drunk and all of these things. And whilst he's in the midst of those things that he's going through, he decides, this, this, this life isn't what I thought it would be. I haven't got anything left. And so he decides that he's going to go back to his dad. And he thinks, well, my dad you know, might just let me work as, as hired help. He might just take me back in as a servant. For those of us who know the story, the dad is standing there, arms wide open, waiting for his son to return. And when he sees his son far off, he goes running up to him to embrace him because he loves him. You see, for us as well, for those of us who are trapped in those things that pull us down, that pull us away from God, those sins in our lives, and we all have them, God is standing there, open arms, saying, I just want you to come back. I just want you to come back. You don't have to run away from me anymore. You don't have to feel guilty anymore. I just want you to come back just as you are. It says in Romans that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, I love that. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we've got everything together. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Arms open wide. That is Jesus. What he's saying to you now. Do we need to make that decision to come to him this evening? That is what faith is. He's trying to go for that bullseye that Alan spoke of. This last weekend, some of my family went up to a place called Exton, which is about a few hours north of here. And um, Exton is where my grandmother, who died 20 years ago, um, has, her, has had her ashes sprinkled at this place. It's the most beautiful place. As I go to this place in Exton, it's Psalm 23 all over. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful place. And we were there this weekend and remembering her. And she died 20 years ago of breast cancer. And she was the most incredible woman. I was, I was quite young. I was only 11 years old. But I can remember her faith. And I can remember she was a woman who, in the midst of cancer, in the midst of knowing, actually, in the world's eyes, I'm going to die, she was determined that God was going to heal her. She was determined. The faith that she had was incredible. In the week in the, week in the build-up to her death, and this was found later in a Bible, tucked in a little cupboard by my dad, she'd written something which I think is profound, and I'm just going to read this to you of what it means to persevere, what it means to endure, what it means to have faith. This is what she said. Sometimes you might feel it's impossible to go through to the end, to endure, and that might be right. But when we come to the end of what is possible for us, then we can see God do the impossible. 
Faith has not begun until we believe God for the impossible. We do not need faith to do what is possible. And so if you are facing impossible situations in your life, praise God. Praise God. Now you can begin to exercise your faith. It's like climbing out on a limb of a tree for God when you trust something for something impossible. You're stepping out in a precarious situation where you need help. And if you're overwhelmed with your problem or the impossible situation that you face, the devil loves to come and tell you that it won't work, that you cannot make it. The limb will break off, he says repeatedly. So there you are, out on that limb. And what does the devil do? He starts cutting the limb off. He not only predicts it will break off, he tries to fulfill his own prediction. But stay right there and hang on to the Lord. When the devil cuts the limb off, the tree will fall on the devil and the limb will stay right up there in the air. Why is endurance a step in God's healing process in our lives? Sometimes we want God to perform a miracle and take away all of our problems and our sickness right now. God is really blessing us and he is preparing us. So we need to build the character that comes through enduring. The struggle is part of the victory process. We are at war. Don't give up. You are on the winning side. This was a person who, that week, died. And she wrote this of someone that persevered in the midst of struggle, in the midst of hard times, and she pressed on and she looked to Jesus. For some of us, we need that endurance. Because it's not easy to be a Christian. It is not easy to be a Christian. If you think that when you become a Christian, it's all going to be easy, it's all going to be plain sailing, that is a load of rubbish. It's difficult. But the beauty of it is that Jesus comes into our lives and he helps us and he walks with us and our lives are never the same again for the better. I think this is profound. I've just been reflecting the last few weeks on a couple of people older generation that have been such incredible mentors to me. One of them is in hospital right now. And I said this to the 1115 congregation this morning. If you haven't currently got someone who is mentoring you, that you meet with on a regular basis, someone that comes alongside you who's older, or someone even that you're mentoring that's younger, and you're praying with on a regular basis, that is so worth doing. And if you haven't got that, please, please find someone that you can do that with. And, and I give you permission. I said to the 1115 congregation as well, I gave them permission to go and speak to someone that is younger than them and to say, look, let's meet up. Let's grab a coffee. Because we can learn so much from different generations in our church. That's the beauty of the churches. We're full of different generations. And what happens is we come to our 6 o'clock service and... Predominantly, we're of a similar age. I'm not saying that we all are the same age. But we need to learn from other Christians. We need to learn from other people that have been through this stuff, that have endured, that have lived out the gospel, that have seen Jesus do amazing things. And we need to learn from them. How do we step out in faith? How do we walk in those good things that God has given us to walk in? I would say, for those of us who have these things in our lives at the moment, that that need to hear afresh tonight that God is here, that his spirit is with us. And in a moment, we're going to enter into a time of communion where we break bread and drink 
the blood of Jesus Christ and remember what he did for us on the cross. And as you come to, to receive the bread and the wine, just say a prayer in your heart. I'd encourage you to say a prayer just to say, Jesus, if I've forgotten you or if you're not in my life, then come into my life. Refresh me. Give me your grace. We stand together. And we're going to sing. The band are going to come up and lead us in a response song. I'd ask you to hold your hands out if you, if you would. If you don't feel comfortable, then please don't. But if you would, just hold your hands out. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross for us. Thank you that you, God, gave your son that whilst we were still sinners, you died. Thank you, Lord, for that truth. Thank you that we can walk in that truth. Thank you that you are here with us now. And God, I pray for all of us in this room that maybe tonight we need to hear that, that we need to be refreshed, that we need to experience your grace once more. Lord, I pray that you would come in to our lives again now and fill us afresh with the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, for those of us in the room that have never experienced that grace, and maybe we would call ourselves Christians, but we've never actually encountered the Holy Spirit in our lives and received that grace, Lord, I pray that you would just pour that out on this congregation now. Because, Lord, we don't want to do this in our own strength. We want to do it in your strength. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in this place, that you would fill us up, and that we would encounter you our risen Lord Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.